welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping product managers become product masters. Listen and get ready to take your career to the next level for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, your host, and this is where you make your move from product manager to product master. I have another valuable discussion for you, and this time it's with the Senior Manager of Corporate Research and Product Management at Kawasaki Motors. We discuss the four steps for how product managers can help build a more effective innovation ecosystem in their companies. You'll find the summary of our discussion, along with helpful resources, at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 134. I hope you check that out. My guest is Dave Oventhal, and he's spent over 20 years in various product management and marketing positions including product planner, product marketing manager, and product manager. And he's led product management teams in various industries. He has extensive experience conducting qualitative and quantitative research and has been directly involved in hundreds of product development projects. He's also served as the chapter president for the Product Development and Management Association, PDMA, an organization that I also recommend to product managers and have found great value in. And he has a doctorate in business administration with an emphasis in strategy and innovation. Product managers should be helping to create a more effective innovation capability in their companies. You can do that too. Listen and learn how. Dave, thanks for joining the Everyday Innovator podcast. Thanks, Chad. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate it. I'm glad you uh, took the time for this. I know we got connected because you're involved in PDMA, an association we've both been involved with for some time for product developers and managers. And you're going to be at the National Conference in November. So that's November 2017, depending when people are listening to this. <laughs> they should be listening to this uh, far long before that, but some people will hear it afterwards. So it'll be good to get a chance to meet in person. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward. Yeah. And the topic I want to talk to you about today is, I think you're going to share some more information on that at the conference too, on organizational ecosystems for innovation. But first, give us a little background. Uh, You're at Kawasaki. Tell us about your work that you do there. Yeah, I I work at Kawasaki Motor Corporation. We're in Southern California and get to play with a lot of toys, motorcycles and jet skis and all that good stuff. uh, I'm a senior manager in the market and product strategy group, and we do product management, uh, data analysis, business planning, kind of all the product planning, product management type of uh, tasks that everybody is familiar with my specific role in the group right now is uh, market research hmm. and I'm also overseeing product management activities for the jet ski line of products so uh, I get to uh, get lucky and be in the field a lot so it's good get out of the office so I'm curious what it means to be in the field if you're doing jet ski market research right now does this involve time at places where there are jet skis and time on the water in, with jet skis yeah, definitely. It's uh, um, we we just came out with a brand new product, our uh, stand up jet ski. That uh, so I've been busy out at uh, media events, actually being the product guy, and uh, hanging out in uh, San Diego and Long Beach, really tough areas to spend a day of work. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's been keeping us pretty busy, and uh, I also spend a lot of time all over the country doing market research. So a lot of fun. Not a bad role as a product manager. No, not at all. 
So, and, and I would love to talk more about that. And maybe I'll ask you back sometime just to get some insights from you on market research uh, and along with some of the toys you get to play with, including the jet skis. But I'm going to get us talking about innovation ecosystems and how does an organization go about building one? And a good place to start is let's just define that, that phrase. If you can share for us what you mean when you talk about organizational and innovation ecosystem. Sure. I, I think splitting the, the phrase up into the two components of innovation and ecosystem, um, the way I define innovation is really turning ideas into value. So if we look at creativity as developing ideas, innov- invention as developing new products or services, innovation is taking those and turning it into a value. Um, and then the ecosystem is like we're all familiar with from biology class. It's just a community of um, interacting interacting people um, and the physical environment. So a corporation, a business, mm-hmm. um, a group of people. So it's it's really building up the organization and creating that culture that focuses on innovation and uh, developing creativity, things like that. Yeah, so taking purposeful steps to help the organization be more innovative and create more value for customers. Definitely. And in the process of creating more value for customers, we should be creating more value for the business. And as product managers, creating more value for our own careers and seeing career growth. Exactly. So <laughs> good and said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> good, good things for product managers to be involved in and, and innovators as well. Let, let's say we're in an organization, and this applies to almost, I think, every organization these days that, that recognizes that they need to be more innovative in terms of having close relationships with customers, being able to respond to their needs, create more value for them, and generate fundamentally more revenue for the organization. Right? So we recognize that innovation is a path to greater success for our organization. Who is going to be involved in making this happen and trying to create a new ecosystem for innovation? I think ideally is senior or executive leadership. It really needs to come from the top down. And we we so often hear in interviews throughout the media of CEOs and um, executives talking about the need for innovation and the need for uh, new product ideas and really to create an ecosystem to build up an organization that strives and focuses on creativity, coming up with the new ideas, changing the status quo and developing in innovative new solutions and products. It, it's really important that that comes from the top down. Mm-hmm. It has to be led by a strong champion and preferably that champion's got the most stripes and that's usually the president or the CEO. Okay. I have two things that come to mind. So I'll I'll keep track of both of these because I want to ask you about first, I I have a friend who's a CEO of a company and his work takes him to meeting lots of other CEOs of companies. And he's made the observation after having dinner with a few hundred CEOs that only about 5% of CEOs actually have a handle on on innovation. What does it mean to actually lead the company in terms of adding more value for customers? They're usually very good at operations and and maximizing what we do today, but innovation is a different sort of beast. So when when senior leadership is involved in this, we need it kind of top down. 
like you said, a lot of the a lot of the senior leaders and a lot of CEO surveys that we see say, yeah, innovation is a core core need that we want to pursue, right? And I, yes. the last survey I saw was you know, more than two thirds, every percent, something that that agree with us. Yet when they're actually doing something, we don't see them doing as much. So specifically, when it comes to the senior leadership team. Who do you see that's being helpful and being part of this? You know, the CEO or president might drive it, but you know, like marketing gets us closer to customers. Sometimes there's engineering involved. More often, we are seeing a product management C-suite sort of role these days. I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, it's a great question because I think it's, you know, presidents and CEOs, they're just normal people just like you and me. And exactly as you said, they got into this position through excellent skills, typically in operations or sales, and they just don't have experience with that. And it, like anything else, it's it's a skill and it's need. The way to develop it is through uh, training and using it, just like playing the guitar or mm-hmm. riding a motorcycle. And most of them have not had experience with that. So I think it's really important that they they put the ego aside and realize kind of have a sense of ignorance and go out there and ask a lot of questions to the the folks that are the creative quote unquote groups which marketing and R&D and most especially project product manage, managers because they are in the middle of everything uh-huh. and the product managers have a more holistic view of the business i think than most other groups and that's why um I really enjoy being in product management and, a, and I'm a big advocate for it because it's one of these hidden secrets still, even though it's been around for so long, right. a lot of people don't hear about it or they don't really know what it does. But it, it's it's very important for the, the CEO to, to look inside first and talk to the team, get out there and walk around and talk, which um, unfortunately doesn't happen too much either. But you got to have that communication. You, you shouldn't, they should not go out and a knee-jerk reaction is to go hire some consultants. Um, even though many of us earn some money that way, um, I, I think internally it's better to talk about it and then if needed, go out and get some professionals to help you out. Good. So s- senior team leading this, uh, recognizing that change is important. We, you know, Our customers are changing, business environment is changing, and innovation is an aspect of how do we keep up with that and respond to customers. And then the, the second question I want to ask you about was – when you define the ecosystem, it was in terms of the community interacting with their environment. Some people might be thinking of this and going, okay, well, is this a group that maybe the senior leadership is going to create to take on this, you know, a new innovation challenge or something? Or is this a culture company wide sort of aspect? Your, your, where do we place this? I feel that if, if the, the desire is to create that ecosystem uh-huh. that is fundamentally building this into the culture. So not necessarily disrupting the current culture unless it is fundamentally damaged and then it's going to need some repairing, but definitely building a culture of innovation. And that um, really starts with a strong foundation and slowly moving up and making sure the entire company understands that no matter what role you're in, be it finance or accounting or field sales, everybody needs to learn what innovation is and apply it on a daily basis to every single thing they do within the uh, within the business. 
Good. Should be every part of the operation. Yeah, I think I think that's a, the right way to think about it. Is how I think about it also. And I'm not saying my my perspective is right, but I agree with you that if it's left to a group, then it, then it's kind of isolated as a capability of the organization. And people tend to think, oh, you know, they're the innovators, they're, they're the creative ones, they're the ones creating something new. Um, and it really needs to be part of the culture. Yeah, most definitely. So we know what we're talking about, this ecosystem, and who kind of really needs to be involved in I, I, at least ideally driving it from the top down. What are our steps for for getting this going, for g- getting more of an innovation ecosystem in place? Yeah, I, you know, I, I look at it as four key steps that a leader should take. And it's it's really culture building 101 that we've read about for so many years. But with innovation, it's there's a few added steps. And of course, number one is you have to have the commitment from the leadership that they're going to be the champion and they're going to communicate this regularly and they're going to drive it. They're going to be they're going to lead from the front. They're going to uh, walk the talk and really going to be out there showing that it's not just some initiative that's the flavor of the day that disappears after six months. It, it really needs to be sustained. And that's critical for anything that an organization does that wants long-term improvements. It, it has to be sustained from the top. I, I think the, the next most critical part that a lot of organizations miss is that training and skill building needs to follow. So just as you asked me to define what does what is an innovative ecosystem, uh-huh. that needs to be explained at every level within every team. And I feel the best way to do that is with workshops and seminars that teach core skills such as critical thinking, creative thinking, um, problem solving, decision making, things that we do reflexively and we take for granted, but none of us have really formally been trained in our typical U.S. education system. So those skills are critical to getting everybody on the same page and moving together. And after that is putting it into practice, making sure it's used every day, checking in, making part, making it part of uh, the strategic planning of the organization, making sure metrics are part of that and that you can see which groups are moving forward innovatively and which aren't that need some support. Uh, most importantly is not um, using more of the carrot than the stick and making sure that if everybody needs to slowly take this, it's going to be a long-term investment. So um, most importantly, I think in terms of that practice and knowledge is leaders need to ensure that failure is okay This is uh, many of your listeners have heard all this before, but it's important to just reiterate it because a lot of times we get into our day to day operations and we get so many things that fill up our plate. We kind of forget about where we should be going. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I think the most important thing is um, clear communication and make sure if you're going to fail on something, it's okay as long as you learn from that. And that where. The, the fourth step that I, I feel is really important is experimenting and testing is too often from my experience is organizations do not f- like to experiment or test. They're in a rush. They want to get the new product out. They're just going to blanket national marketing. They're going to 
put the product in all the regions and hope we make our business plans. And um, when you're innovative, you want to go a little slower. I'm a X racer and I live in motorcycles and everybody in this building, there are a lot of world champions in this building. And Hmm. we always have a saying, uh, you go slow to go fast Hmm. when you're racing. And it's really true. So if you take your time and you build those foundational skills, you make sure everybody's on the same page Everyone gets to practice in workshops, gets hand on, hands-on experience, then do these experiments. Once you get a little more understanding of it, then you can go full speed and have a much higher probability of success with your products or your services out there. So the, these four steps, so coming from leadership and a real commitment from leadership to drive this, the training and skill building, putting this into practice and building metrics around that and some uh, really impacting the culture around that. And then experimenting and test. Are these things you've gone through and seen at your work there in Kawasaki? Yeah, most definitely. I, I think um, I, I'm lucky. I'm in a good group that we, we have a lot of um, free thinkers mm-hmm. and we were, don't have a lot of constraints on us. So we, we also really focus on a PDCA structure. Mm-hmm. So um, plan, do, check, act. So all your lean listeners should be familiar with that, but having that uh, PDCA uh, construct around what we do, when we look at the C, that's where, you know, we check in, we make changes and we move forward. And we, we do that consistently with our new products that um, we're, we're out there, we're out there training everybody uh, making sure they they understand what the new product is, we get people to practice on it and learn how to all the features from hands on riding the watercraft and understanding the features and benefits. Mm-hmm. And then what we've found working with some of our regional marketing teams that um, are really um, really they embrace the experimentation is to do some regional events and see how that works in a small market, and then we expand it into that same region, make sure that it's still working, and then explain to the other regions what we've done, show them our successes in terms of, typically in terms of increased sales uh-huh. based upon those steps. And uh, and then hopefully they, they'll gather on and grab on to what we've done. But, you know, working with our regional marketing teams and the product managers, we, we've done that on some small scales and it's been really successful. All I can think right now is how much fun it would be to be in this role at Kawasaki to get to go out and, and do the market research too, you know, for, for the watercraft. It's just great fun. But yeah, I'm sure there's other, other people listening going, oh, how do I get that job? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, there's a lot of jealousy out there. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like any other job where um, you you got into your, your field probably from really enjoying the products. And you got to keep reminding yourself, you know, that, you know, everything becomes a job. But right, uh, right. you step back and go, wow, I'm pretty lucky. Because when I talk to a lot of people, they're like, well, exactly what you asked. They go, how do I get your job? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's moments where you'd be glad to give it up, but it's like any other work that happens. But uh, it sounds like fun. I want to tear down these uh, four steps a little bit with you. And and if you can give you know any highlights in terms of examples 
from uh, the work that you've seen either at Kawasaki or other organizations. Just to make this a little tangible for people. So first, the commitment from leadership. I think Steve Blank is the one that uses the term, you know, not innovation theater. So so often when the executive team talks about innovation, it's really innovation theater and they're not, we don't really have things going on. How can leaders make it real to employees that this is important? What have you seen? And I think Steve's comment is all too often the case um, where it's uh, challenges from Wall Street where you have to get up in front of a bunch of shareholders and try to get them to calm down a little bit. And we're going to make changes and we're going to be innovative and get them all excited. Or even at town hall meetings internally, you're trying to get the folks up to speed um, internally and try to get everybody on the same page. Unfortunately, if you're in a a large organization that's been around for a while, you have a lot of long-term employees that have seen it all. And, you know, from QC circles back in the day to Six Sigma to whatever the flavor of the day was. And I think what I mentioned before and what I've seen very become very effective, and this can be um, – it doesn't always happen from the top down, unfortunately. So if it's a lower level leader that does this um, within their own group, it's it's being a strong communicator consistently and being out front and showing that this is something we're going to do. This is going to be part of our culture and part of the organization and I'm going to lead. So be it from the president teaching critical thinking workshops to sitting in with different groups and asking them the tough questions of, you know, what did you do today that Mm -hmm. was innovative? Um, We've, I've worked, I've done many of these workshops myself with teams and it's, it's always interesting when you're with a team that doesn't necessarily think of themselves as innovative or creative, such as a finance or accounting team. And they're like, well, we don't, do anything that's innovative. And I try to remind everyone, no, you have a customer. They might be inside the organization, right. but you have a customer. How are you going to make their interaction with your forms or some one of your deliverables a much better experience? And that kind of changes the way they look at the business and they're able to really change the way they think and become more innovative. Realize that anybody can be innovative. It's not just the marketing guys playing ping pong and singing beanbag chairs. And, uh, you know, it, it's anybody, but it really, it's very important that the leader is out there regularly talking it, talking it up with all the troops and being hands-on. They, they mm-hmm. need to be hands-on. They need to share stories of where they succeeded and where they failed and make sure that everybody's at ease with this. And it slowly, it takes a while. It's like sure. any other cultural change. And it's a big change, but having those that real involvement examples is important. And I know you're very kind. You listen to this podcast and I'm always thankful for all my listeners and thank you for that. I don't know if you caught the one with Ben Britton. He's the chief innovation officer at Snap-on Tools. That makes professional tools back in episode 120. And one of the things he does, so, you know, he's a sweet person. Um, he's on that interview. He said he spends four days every week with product teams out with customers. You know, that, that's clearly establishing the value to, you know, everyone seeing that. That's real action to say, you know, it's important to us to understand what our customers are going through, what they need, what problems they run into. And this is how we figure that out. We're out with customers four days a week. Wow. And it, yeah. That's, it's so good to hear 
a leader like that doing all of that that's really necessary. It's that, you know, the cliche of blocking and tackling, but that's yep. really it. And, and even if you're, if you're a um, B2B or you're directly to the consumers, um, you need to be out there and talking to them. My business, our first line of customers is dealerships in the U.S., retail dealerships. But we also have to focus on the consumer, the end user of the product. Uh-huh. And we, we do both. We, you know, too often we have to remind internal folks that, you can't always just rely on the dealerships. They're, they're a great value of knowledge, but we have to go out there and talk to the folks using our products and our competitive products and understand why they're not buying our products. And uh-huh. it, it's so important to, to get out in the field as much as you can, especially as a product manager. Um, I, I'm lucky because I have a lot of uh, customer and market research roles that I have to play. Um, but you really need, I, I feel you need to minimally be out there 50% of your time. Yeah, if we can do it, it's great. And, and that's the thing that product managers almost universally say they want more of. And yeah. you know, it's just all the other constraints. Okay, but having that commitment from uh, senior leadership, so important. And seeing them consistently and strongly communicating uh, what it means to be building this ecosystem. For training and skill building, some specifics on the kind of skills that you think are helpful. You know, you talked about, you know, problem solving, creativity. I don't know if specifically like a Kawasaki brought in design thinking or, or other specific methodologies. Tell us what is helpful there. Yeah, I, I think the most important part is leadership needs to make sure that if there is an internal training team, usually they're usually within the uh, HR group, mm-hmm. um, they need to work with them very closely to make sure that do they have the skills to teach this, uh, the, the various subjects. And if they don't, they need to bring it in or go out and get skilled up and make sure that leadership is supporting that training group in every way possible. And that could be as simple as just kicking off every training group workshop to show that the president's there again. That's another way that, mm. to uh, really drive that commitment home. But the the training, I, I like to go at the foundational level from the beginning. And even if folks have some training, everybody's skills are different. So if you start at the same level, and I feel that critical thinking and creative thinking skills, problem solving and decision making are the four key skills that organizations, from my experience, majority lack at least using deliberate and systematic type of tools and techniques that can really free them up to focus on creativity later. So it's uh, those four key uh, tool sets, skill sets are really important. And from there, it really depends on the organization. If the organization wants to adopt a lean methodology and move forward that way or a Six Sigma methodology or really focus on design thinking, as you mentioned, then they're going to have to use and develop a curriculum that really focuses on the business and what's going to improve the customer um, experience as well as bring more value to the organization. And and a lot of that, there's a lot of introspection there. There's a lot of planning and discussion discussing there. It's also looking at what your competitors are doing. You Sometimes, of course, you want to uh, do what they're doing just to make sure that you're on the same level, but then you, you don't want to just copy what everyone's doing because you're never going to win. So you need that differentiation. 
And it just really comes through a lot of discussion of what's needed and where the organization is in terms of this level of skill. Good. But I think those four four pieces of the puzzle are really important. And just make sure I got those right. The four pieces are critical thinking, creativity, problem solving, and decision making. Yes. Yeah. And and those are critical for all employees and especially people wanting to move into leadership roles over time too. And you also said uh, focus on the business and I might be adding a connotation to that, but I have interacted with organizations where they would bring in the XY flavor of the year process, which is good, right? Whether it be lean or design thinking or whatever, good methodologies to adopt, but for whatever reasons, not a good fit for the culture. And there was this disconnect, like, okay, we learned all these interesting things, but we haven't been able to put it into practice. And so that, that's kind of just frustrating all by itself. And people feel like they wasted their time. Having that focus on the business with what you're doing and making sure it fits the business is a, a key part of that training and skill building too. Yeah, most definitely, especially um, I think Six Sigma gets a bad rap. And a lot of that is just, it's so intimidating when you hear stories of using statistical models and everything's driven by quantitative metrics and this and that. And it really can turn off a lot of the organization. So you have to be really careful with what you're doing. Yeah. Position things appropriately. Definitely. Good. And then for putting it into practice, one thing you mentioned was metrics. I don't know if you have some metrics that come to mind that you would think of for keeping track of how is your innovation ecosystem going or other other tactics for putting this into practice? Yeah, I, I think it's, you definitely have to measure what you're doing or you're not going to know if you've improved or you've gone backwards. And that's where the measurements are really important and they don't have to be quantitative. They can be qualitative measurements. It just depends on what the organization needs or what each department needs. And I think when you practice putting it into practice um, from taking it out of the classroom and then doing some workshops, some hands-on knowledge building and the sharing of knowledge, it can be as simple as when I say putting it into practice, it can be as simple as just having uh, roundtable discussions with other team members that if they each team brings a different problem to the meeting each week. And then everybody helps on that problem and tries to develop some innovative uh, new approaches to solving that other department's problem. I, I've done this many times. It works. It, it really build, uh, builds a lot of team cohesion. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about it is you have people in, in the room that have no idea of that side of the business. So when they hear the problem, it's this fresh perspective that when you're too close to the problem, you're missing some of those things. And all of a sudden, you you have an accounting problem on the table and someone from engineering is like, oh, why don't you just do this? And it's so simple and so easy and makes so much sense. You might have never come up with that if you didn't throw it on the table and get all this new perspective. So I really like simple low cost ways. And it also builds the culture where it gets everyone working together and just having people sit around and drink some coffee and help each other out. um, Those are great ways to do it. Um, In terms of measurements, really dependent on your yearly or biannual uh, KPIs and your targets, you, you should throw a few of these in there to measure 
how innovative you are. So for example, it can be as simple as often product managers are the team that trains the sales team on the features and benefits of a new product and gets them up to speed. So you need to challenge the product managers with come up with two new ways to train the sales team. You know, too often we do our typical dog and pony show with the PowerPoint and then we do a hands-on demonstration. And if we're lucky, we let the folks use the product hands-on so they really get to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you get very complacent over the years. And when it comes to jet skis, you should definitely get some hands-on experience. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think we're going to have to do a, a Colorado trip after this. So. I think so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, and it's just challenging yourself to think of a new way to do what you do every day. It, it's simple as that. And, and that's a great way to just get some practice and really challenge yourself and put it into um, – the, those metrics that really are going to define how you're improving the business. Good. It might not work, but you got to try it. Good. The So Everyday Innovators, if you take nothing else from this uh, interview, lots of good things here. The one I want to underscore that you just shared, Dave, before was the collaborating with other department team members and trying to bring in others from outside your own group to help solve problems and think through problems. So incredibly valuable. Not only do you get insights, you you become a more flexible employee yourself. You learn more about the organization. You have the opportunity as a product manager to increase your influence some because you're networking better. And just that collaborating across the kind of what might be seen as the traditional boundaries of teams is so valuable. And I really appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah, I, I, I've learned the hard way with, you know, letting an ego or my ego or arrogance get in the way and... And when you reach out to more people in the organization, you can be really wowed by somebody that you just had no idea what their background was. And they're they're able to bring so much to the table. A great example was this new jet ski we just came out with. Um, we were working, pulled in some of the engineering guys and some of the testing team and the marketers to do some uh, ideation for some new products. And one guy's name was brought up and he was one of the guys that works in the warehouse. And it turns out he's one of the original jet ski guys who tested it and was one of the national champions. And, you know, I was friends with him and I never knew. And he's just back there in the warehouse. We brought him into our meetings and it was just like, wow, (laughs) didn't even know this. So it's good to really open up that net and cast it as wide as possible. Yep. And then the experiment and test, and you use the phrase, go go slow to go fast. Do you have an example there of, of, of how the innovation capability was increased by just people re- recognizing we could do an experiment quickly to figure something out here? Yeah, definitely. It was, um, it was, it was on our motorcycle side. This was about a year ago. And our, and one of our models, our sales were, um, slowing up in one of our regions and everybody was concerned because one of our competitors came out with a new product and they were taking our share from us. And, uh, if you're, uh, if you know, Japanese companies, they, they love share and they'll fight to the death over share. So share is really important for us. And, uh, one of our, uh, regional marketing teams, they worked with the, uh, the local sales team as well as our product managers and they put together 
a couple of experiments, some tests they did in a few dealerships and measured how the sales of that model were affected. And they immediately went up. And it was simple things as just having more POP to get in the customer's face. And and POP? Is point of purchase material. So posters and uh, large cardboard cutouts of the product and things like that. And to make sure that our product was displayed properly, mm-hmm. as well as being in front of the dealership staff. So training them a little more than we use, usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure that they have access to us to ask questions. And of course, the most important thing in our industry is getting that hands-on. So we made sure that the dealership folks were all up to speed with riding our product and understanding how good it was. And we were able to quantitatively show that, yeah, if we do a few things, it takes a little more work, a little more effort, but not a lot of money, we improve the sales. And that was a great example. And we were able to push that across the U.S. and some other markets, and they showed similar results. So it was really positive. Wonderful. And once again, all I, all I can think is how fun this is. So, so just for context here, I'm a Colorado guy, right? There's not a lot of water in Colorado. We, I spent three years in San Antonio, Texas doing work, and there's a little more water there, which was great. And that was my first experience with jet skis. And I just thought they were incredibly so much fun. And then I've been back in Colorado ever since for more than 20 years. And so, so I missed this experience. So I, I'm, 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 you're making me eager to get back out on a jet ski. Oh, okay. see, I'm not even trying to sell you. Anything. I know it, I, I'm, I'm bought in. I'm like, I got to find a Kawasaki, <laughs> Kawasaki dealer and go see what's, see what's new. Well, I'll uh, talk to the guys in uh, Colorado and uh, see if we can uh, get you wet for an afternoon. <laughs> so. well, that'd be fun. That'd be great. <laughs> I would take you up on that. Okay. So we got the, four main kind of steps for helping to build or increase your innovation ecosystem and some good tips along the way there for specifics. I'm curious, it's, it's always a pleasure of mine when I get to talk with senior product managers that have been in the career for a long time, what they would tell a younger product manager, maybe someone who's just been in the role for a year or so, kind of advice that you would offer. What would you share? I think first off is to hopefully you're in a department or group that has experienced product managers. So you can learn from them, good or bad. You're going to learn some things that are very useful and you need to learn from them because you have to understand how the business is doing things and then get up to speed on what the standard operating procedures are. And then you can innovate and improve things later. But um, I'm going to give you, Shout out to you because uh, really, I I would say one of the most valuable things for myself was I was in product planning, product management roles for many years and unfortunately didn't really have a clear understanding of the role itself in in the big view of things. And when I went back and I joined PDMA and I went through all their reading lists and I went and got certified as a uh, NPDP. And I, I'm a nerd, so I, you know, I'm going to read as much as I can. It's, it's a problem I have. My wife's getting tired of books. Um, but I read pretty much every book on the body of knowledge list. And when I took the NPDP, I, um, I purchased your guide that you put together. And I hope it's still out there. 
because we have an all new version even. So uh, as you may know, PDMA massively updated the materials and exam May 1st this year. So there's all new materials. Great. And I, um, you didn't pay me for this endorsement. I did not. I, I'm glad you're sharing it though. <laughs> but I really, I still have it. And I go back and reference that guide you put together many years ago. Cause I think I did this in 09 maybe. Mm-hmm. And it was super, super helpful. So that, along with all the books I read, and I went back into the history. You talked about Steve Blank, and um, you go back with Cooper mm-hmm. and all of those guys that Stagegate and Agile and Sutherland. And you know, if you read the history, if you if you like this job and you want to make it a career, you should take it seriously, and you should go back and read everything up and see where everything's progressed and. I really am a big advocate for PDMA because I joined a local PDMA chapter and I know there's other product management organizations out there. So I think whatever organization is near you, you should join it and get, get product managers in your, um, in your personal ecosystem, in your community and learn from them. I learned so much from the folks at uh, LA PDMA, Los Angeles PDMA. And I, I ended up becoming the president of that chapter had a blast, learned from so many people. Um, that's really the long story short. That's what I would recommend is this is, I, I've talked to a lot of MBA students in the past and you bring up product management and they don't even know what you're talking about. And I, there's not many programs out there that talk about product management. It might be hit on very quickly in a marketing class, but it's a great job. It's a great career. And mm-hmm especially if you're really into business and you uh, you have an MBA, you get to use everything you learned. Most other positions, you don't get to learn, use everything you learned. So um, just read and read and go find a bunch of product managers that have experience and learn from them. And I'm also a big advocate of being part of a local community. The As product managers, we, we often get isolated, right? We're working cross-functionally with other people all the time in the organization, but we're not necessarily working with other product managers and uh, being part of a local environment can really be a safe environment where you can ask questions and, and get help and find out that others run into the same frustrations that you're, you're running into. Right. And it doesn't have to be a lonely sort of role. And my experience with PDMA was very much like yours. That's I, I had been doing the work of product management for about 10 years without really knowing what all the pieces were and going through uh, learning and earning the MPDP certification was what built the framework out for me and it really gave me a solid foundation to understand, oh, this is what product management is about. And the a lot of the bigger picture things that we should be thinking about in terms of strategy and the organization and how do we make the organizational structure work properly to be more successful with products. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's uh, really built that I had a foundation it was a little rocky and this really made it much stronger and it and it allowed me over the next almost 10 years to just keep adding on that. And, and I still find books that I'm amazed I never even knew about before from kind of the legends in product development and product planning and management. And uh, you really learn a lot of stuff from these, uh, the folks that laid the groundwork for all of us. So, <laughs> yep. Well, I appreciate you m- mentioning the MPDP and the materials. I'm, I'm thankful that the materials I provided were helpful for you and hope they are for others too listening. And thank you for taking time for the interview and sharing your wisdom and experience. 
And as listeners know, I always like to wrap up with an innovation quote. What is a quote that you have for us and why did you choose that one? Well, I'm a, uh, a big fan of Peter Drucker. Mm-hmm. And if your, your listeners haven't heard of Peter Drucker, uh, go into Amazon and type in Peter Drucker and go buy all his books because he is really the man that's laid the foundation for marketing and innovation and, and business as we know it. And his, he's got a ton of great quotes, but the quote that I really love is, um, especially in terms of our topic today is culture eats strategy for lunch. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big strategy guy. Um, it's a big part of my background and my studies as well as my work. But if you have a poor culture, nothing's going to help. And if you have a really strong culture, that's going to get you down the road. No matter what else happens, that culture is going to be there. And you can always repair and fix the marketing or the sales training or anything else. But that culture is really what binds the organization together. And if you have a culture based on innovation um, or creativity, you're really going to have a long, successful career. So I, I, I just love the quote. It's um, as you and I talked about before that, you know, often we hear it strategy eats culture for lunch, but I, I, I really have to say culture eats strategy for lunch because if you, I'm a big uh, military strategist I've, and applying those learnings into business. And mm-hmm. when you talk to all the leaders in military. Um, it's all about culture. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really important. It's a great point. As I've told uh, others before, strategy can be copied and no one gets strategy right all the time. Right. And and yeah. so when you get strategy wrong, what do you do? You, you pivot to another strategy. The right culture makes that possible to happen quickly. The culture can, can save you when you need it. It's a real enabler of doing magical things inside of organizations. It's a great quote. And I also am a, am a great fan of the late Peter Drucker, uh, the management guru that brought so many important ideas. So thanks for sharing that one with us. For listeners that might want to just get in touch with you to find out more about your work, I know you're going to be at the PDMA conference. Just what, what do you want to leave listeners with? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn, Dave Oventhal, or uh, you can uh, find me also at Oventhal, O-V-E-N-T-H-A-L.com. And my website's out there as well as you can just email me if you want to chat as uh, Dave at Ovenfall.com. And uh, I would love to meet new folks in the product field. And uh, if anybody has questions, new product managers and um, any questions you want to throw at me, please do. I'm more than happy to help anybody out there that's looking for it or um, to learn from anybody. So I really appreciate you letting me chat today, Chad. It's it's really nice to finally get to uh, meet you face to face, and uh, um, you know, thank you for uh, helping me with my career too. You didn't know it, but it, I didn't it was know uh, it. Yeah, it was important, Dave. I appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you at the PDMA conference in November. For everyone else that wants to know about that, I'm not. Uh, I don't get paid for endorsements here, but <laughs> we'll both be at the PDMA conference in Chicago in November. Find out more at pdma.org. Dave, thanks again for your time. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks again for listening. If we're not already connected on LinkedIn, please send me a connection request. Just search for Chad McAllister, PhD, and you'll find my profile. For a summary of the discussion with Dave, go to theeverydayinnovator.com slash 134. From that page, you can also download the Product Mastery Roadmap. 
that shows you how to go from product manager to product master. All that and more is at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 134. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit our blog at theeverydayinnovator.com.